Good evening, LCM. Tonight is February 19th, 2020. And the title to tonight's message is God's Strategy for Victory. God's Strategy for Victory. Come on, the last Sunday's message. We learned about the power of raising a war cry, didn't we? Come on, we learned about the power of raising a war cry. One that raised up a voice to the one who could save us from death and expecting the right hand of God to deliver us from all of our enemies. Amen. Amen to being delivered. Anybody need to be delivered tonight? Anybody got some enemies out there that you got to work through? Come on now. All this always takes place as we take our stand, as we make our stand with him the same way that he took his stand which is in reverent submission to everything. Tonight we want to continue on this pathway of victory. This raising a war cry for victory as we look at God's strategy for victory. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and we're going to begin in verse 18 and we're going to start in the NASB. There we go. We are. Hang on now. It's a good night. All right, so 1 Timothy 1.18 in the NASB says, This command I entrust to you. Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies, everybody say prophecies, prophecies, previously made concerning you that by them, everybody say them, them, you fight the good fight. You know, as I was reading this earlier uh, this week, begin to see a connection. You know, we, I have read this passage many, many times. It's one of two scriptures that clearly Paul is encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight. We've studied it thoroughly. But there's something that preceded that phrase of fight the good fight that I never saw before. My son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by those prophecies, you fight the good fight. It began to jump off the page and help me realize, you know what, there are times that we just have to revive the revelation that has already been given us. I hunger. I thirst for righteousness. I'm looking for revelation. What, Lord, is it that I need from you to take the next step to win in the name of Jesus? And sometimes he just points behind me and says, look at what I already gave you. You got to revive that revelation in order to go fight the good fight that he's putting before you. See, church, this is one of the reasons that you now have the signs around this place. You have a sign behind us that says one life, one family, and one nation. Why? Because we're trying to revive that revelation inside of each of us perpetually. We've got to have holiness or die trying. We've got to be able to die for my brother's vision. Let me encourage you that the things that God has given this church, oh, pastor, I I already hear it. I I can already hear it in you, you, our church members. Oh, pastor, I know, but the Lord just doesn't speak to me as much as he speaks to some. There's a room full of signs around here that the Lord has been speaking to you. Do you want to win or not? Come on, do you actually want to win tonight? See, because we need our brothers and they need us. This is part of us reviving the revelation that God has given us. He's been speaking to us today about reviving this revelation. Let's all turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Man, we are walking through 2 Chronicles, aren't we? 2 Chronicles chapter 34, and let's, let's look at verse 14. Come on, say revelation when you're there. Second Chronicles 34, 14 says this. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. 
Somebody say he found the word. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And then he gave it to him. Look, this is King Josiah's reign. We've passed Hezekiah. We are now generations past him. And we had to purify. Josiah had to purify the people just as Hezekiah had done. So we're going through another cycle of uh, confession and circumcision that we can conquer. See, he was reviving the things that the past generations had let fall into ruin. Now, let's be honest. It doesn't even take a generational change for us to start to let things slide, does it? Anybody ever uh, done worse on a diet after a few weeks than you did at the beginning? Yeah, anybody, anybody uh, pledged to work out at the beginning of the year and you do, you're not doing as good a, a, as the year goes on? See, we are prone to kind of a spiritual entropy. Yeah. We're prone to start somewhere and it degrade over the course of time. Mm. See, these guys were paying the workers and they found the book of the law. Mm. Anybody ever lost anything? When did you realize that you lost it? The next time you needed it or when you found it. It's one thing to lose something and then realize it when you need it. It's another thing to just lose it. And then you stumble across him like, oh, I remember that. That used to be so important. This is like most of my kids and their toys in the toy box. No, I want that one. No, you haven't seen it and touched it and played with it in like nine months. We're throwing that one away. No, but I like it. See, what we have to understand is that they were finding the book of the law. They had to remember something that they had lost. They had to look at something and cause it to come down into their being. Everybody say, remember. Remember. See, we're trying to revive that revelation tonight. And part of reviving the revelation is you just got to find it. You just got to remember what it already is. You've got to remember what the Lord has already spoken to you. Come on now. How much do we treasure the Word of God here in this place? This is a group who loves the Word. Yeah. We love it, don't we? Yes. Boy, y'all are quiet. Do you love the Word or not? Yeah. See, what we're trying to do is just not only say, do we love the Word of God? We're trying to say, do you remember what He said to you last? Do you remember those things that He spoke to you? Do you remember the promises that He gave Come you? On. Come on, let's talk about remembering a little bit. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verse 8. Sir, Revelation, whenever you get there. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? If he was asking me this, the, qu- the answer would be yes. I still don't understand. <laughs> don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? I can't tell you how many times that after receiving a revelation, I walk away, and not only did I not properly understand it, I just lost it altogether. That the Lord gave me a revelation for an an event that I needed soon after, and I let it just slip right through my hands. That usually shows up in poor discernment, poor decision-making. That the Lord was trying to put in your hands the basketfuls of revelation and experience with that revelation so that his will could be done on earth. You have to. You've got to remember the miracles that have happened within your life. Notice for some of you guys in here, when you look at the placards on this wall with the sayings on them, it brings you back to a moment in time while at LCM when God did something miraculous inside of you. 
The other night we were sharing about all the miraculous events that have happened in David and Jennifer Hall's family. Just within Chris alone, you have a, a rib being grown. You have heart conditions that God miraculously revealed and then healed. And that's just one among many in the, the whole of our entire church. Sometimes we have to look backwards and say, what is it that God has already miraculously done in our life? And that gives us the revelation of what he's going to do in the future. Yeah. Amen. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 7. Come on now. As you're here, we're trying to remember the revelation. We're trying to revive it inside of us tonight. We got to remember. We got to remember that we may be few in number, but we are one in purpose. See, there's something powerful when you remember these things that, you know, my boundary lines... You know, where I, where I can go and where I can't go have fallen in pleasant places. There's something important about remembering these things. Listen to this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is he trying to say? you got to remember your leaders. Why? Because your leaders aren't supposed to change. They're supposed to show you the way. Amen. We're growing. Amen. But you're going to be able to look at the outcome of our way of life. Jesus is the same. If he said it to you before, he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to decide to tell you something different. If it was from the Lord, it will be the same thing today that you heard back in yesterday. It will be the same thing tomorrow that he spoke to you today. We are supposed to remember this. Church, we're, we're a group of DCD, disciples creating disciples. Yes. We're a group that says we got to have less talk and more walk. Amen. Come on, let's be honest. Wouldn't you have done better today? By thinking about having less talk and more walk. I mean, let's be real. If we would have remembered we have these things revived in us, we've got to perform out there what we practice in, in here. See, the idea is that we're going to remember. Somebody say remember. Remember. So that we can revive. Somebody say revive. Revive. We're going to revive the revelation tonight. Uh, turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll look at verse 3. Say revelation whenever you get there. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we have to remember those brothers that are working, laboring, and enduring in our midst. I'm talking about looking within our own house and seeing the labor that's happening within home after home. Shalom being established. Those who are going to prison ministry, those who are coming to cleaning crew, those who are secretly serving in the background, those who are putting together words for meetings and giving life, giving revelation to the body. Then radiating out those in the one association, remembering our brothers who are striving to plant churches, raise up disciples, and extend the kingdom of God beyond the boundaries where they currently exist. Remembering Buddy and Kim in Peru. Remembering the Vincents in Indonesia. These are ones that God birthed from this very place. And we have to revive the revelation of the call that God has put on their lives. The call that God has put on the one association. And the call that God has put on every single family within LCM. Turn to John chapter 15 and verse 20. John chapter 15 and verse 20. It says this, remember the words I spoke to you. Hmm. Wow. 
Just as pashat as you can get. Just as plain in the text as you can get. Remember the words that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. See, when we start off and we say, hey, you got to remember the miracles in your life. you got to remember those things that God did that no one else could have done. Those things that were unexpected. Those things that you were in dire straits and needed the Lord to come through. Then you've got to remember the leaders. You've got to remember your brothers and your sisters who are doing this thing rightly. And the truth is, is you have to remember His words to you. See, you cannot be surprised when you fall into different types of, of trials and temptations. You, you've got to count it pure joy. You've got to remember what the Lord said. You've got to remember that all those who are really in love with Jesus are going to be persecuted. That's, that's not an option for you. That is a promise to you. Because it's a promise to you because you know it ahead of time. So when it happens, you're not supposed to be surprised. You're supposed to revive that revelation inside of you at that moment so that you can conquer the thing that's in front of you. We've got to remember His words tonight. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 verse 2. It says, wake up. Come on, that's a great verse to start off with sometimes. Especially on Sunday mornings. Amen, Andrew? You just got to say, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember. Revive the revelation. Therefore, what you have received and heard. Say received. Received. And heard. And heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I'll come to you. See, we have to revive the revelation. We have to remember what we have received and what we have heard. Right here, I have a pouch. A pouch where I put three by five index cards that have scriptures and words that other people have given me. So what we call stones. On my birthday, I was blessed. Singles, y'all like this. With a plethora, a plethora of three by five index cards and stones. I'm not sure I know what that means, boss. I'll I'll explain it later. I was blessed with an, an abundance of words that I received. You guys spent time in prayer and considered what it was from the heavens that I needed. And every single three by five index card, I I've gone over multiple times. I knew that I need to constantly revive the revelation of what God was giving to me through you so that I could ingest it inside of my soul. Not just hear with my ears, not just read across with my eyes, but I want it to sink down into the depths of my heart. It directs my steps. It helps me be obedient, which is the next thing in, in the verse itself. Going, you know those scriptures that God has given you through others. That God has given you through sermons. That God has directly spoken to you. That it hits the center of your heart. It moves you. It shakes you. And it changes the way that you walk from that day forward. That's what we're looking for every single time we are engaging God's word. Something to the effect of, Lord, change me. (laughs) Lord, strengthen me. Lord, transform my mind and the way that my heart engages your will and your word so that I can rightly repent 
That's, that's the next thing in this list. What you have received and heard, obey it and repent. Well, many of you have gone through and, and received from the heavens your Abigail and the ball card. Have these been life-saving for you? Well, they have saved so many marriages in this church. I've lost count. And praise God I've lost count because that means there are marriages that are being redeemed in the name of Jesus. We have the responsibility before us to remember, to revive the revelation that God has already given us. Can I tell you that whenever I take out my Abigail and the ball card, what I don't remember from day to day is exactly what's on them. How quickly my mind will have spiritual entropy into a state of decline and decay, and I will usually have an assumption about what's on my Nabal card that makes me a little bit better than what I really am. Right? The more flowery words. Instead of saying something like cowardice, we say, maybe a bit timid. We need to have the, a revival of the revelation of who we are in Christ, starting with our sinful nature that we can put it to death, that leads us to the Abigail nature, the divine nature that we can live up to. Do you all want to remember what God has revealed to you tonight? Amen. Church, the, the Lord has been working this into us for the last few months. He's given us sermons like All Aboard that reminded us and yeah. encapsulized 1,700 sermons, 1,300 of them online. The, the idea that we understood and we learned from that, there were seven foundational core principles that we have as a church. The Lord has been working on us with a family banner so that we can have these in our hearts. Look, I tell you what, I, I've moved these to my daily prayer time. Yeah. I, I go through our 12 gates every single morning. I go through our, our family banner every single morning. I pray through our Abigail and Nabal traits every single morning. You know why? Because I'm trying to revive a revelation inside of me. I want it to be revived inside of this church. Let's turn to Acts 27 and begin to see how this is implemented practically into a life. See, here we're about to see, we're about to learn about Paul. He's been a prisoner. He's been on trial. They've put him on a ship to sail. We're in Acts 27. And we're going to look at verse 15. See, they put him on a ship and the problem is, is they're having difficulty time, a difficult time moving. They get to a certain day and there's a gentle breeze. Everybody say a gentle breeze. Gentle breeze. And they read the gentle breeze as the sign that they are supposed to take off and go. This must be the right idea. Well, Paul warns them and says, this is a terrible idea. Don't do this. As soon as they set sail, there's a northeaster that comes in. It is a hurricane force wind that begins to blow against them. Anybody ever done that? You thought it was going to be, you read the signs and you're like, man, this is going to be good. Let's go for it. And then you get absolutely annihilated. Well, some of our young men are smart. They're like, yeah, that's me, pastor. That, that uh, every day, right? Acts 27, 15 says this. And when the ship was caught in it, the it there is the hurricane force wind that's blowing against it and could not face the wind. Come on now. Anybody ever felt like the trial you were in was just too much for you to face that wind? We gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Uh-oh. You know you're in trouble when seafaring men are just like, uh, we got nothing. We got absolutely nothing we can do about this. It's just going to take us where it wants to. Running under the shelter of a small, a small island called Claudia, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. Man, come on. Part of the reason that we need to have a revival that we need to revive our revelation tonight? Is there an adversity that is going to try to come against you that is going to make you feel like you're just trying to keep it together? 
That you, the best you can do is just stay under control and not lose it in front of everyone. Not lose it on a daily basis. Come on, any moms? Uh, there's hardly any moms in here, huh? Because they're all in the back. They're all like, we're all with the kids. It is a process that we go through that when those hurricane forces come against us, it's hard for us to keep our thoughts under control. Mm. Who has trouble keeping their thoughts under control? Anybody have trouble keeping their emotions under control? Yeah. Yeah, we have trouble keeping ourselves under control when the forces are at work against us. But let's see how Paul begins to work through this. Verse 17, after they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship. There's a unique word that's used here for supporting cables. Now, pastor is talking about being in a tumultuous emotional state. A torrent of thoughts is storming your mind, right? And everything seems to be coming apart on the brink of just losing it emotionally, losing it mentally. And all of a sudden, you're in a need of some supporting cables, right? They hoisted up what was needed, and they begin to take these cables, and they let them go from the front of the ship underneath towards the back. And they would begin to cinch up to bring in right order, to bring in closeness and unity what was trying to be split apart and put asunder. There's a, a, a Greek word for this. I'm going to put up a slide. Strong's number 996. Boethia. It means to help, to aid. Come on, those moments whenever you are about to just come to pieces. Because of the tumultuous emotions and thoughts that you have, you need some help. You need some aid. You need somebody to come along and give you a revelation that begins to bind up your thoughts back to where they belong again. Begins to set your emotions back in right order. You say between between husbands and wives, this is why and how we are an easer for each other. Now you may never think that I I have emotions. Other than passion, I am a robot. But countless numbers of days, my wife has been able to share with me a scripture, a revelation, discernment about my state that is like ropes binding together my thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. I need my easer in my life. She's the one that's able to whisper that right revelation that sets me in right order. And in turn, I do the same thing for her. Amen? Well, there's one particular scripture that this word is used. And it just so happens to be a 3 by 5 scripture card that A.J. Aragina gave me. It's Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God. Uh, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. Everybody say help. Help. Find grace to help us in time of need. That word help is boethia, the same one used in Acts for the supporting cables. Those, that element that's able to bind you up all together. Now there's one unique thing that AJ did just to help me get some revelation from Hebrews 4.16. And I can tell you that this has been a supporting cable for my soul and my mind for the past couple of weeks. She has, number one, having confidence. I needed that word. I needed confidence. 
Number two, showing mercy. I needed to be reminded to show mercy. That was a supporting cable binding up my soul again. But number three was the best. Teaching others to do the right thing. If it would have just stopped right there, it was perfect. Good. But it got even better. Teaching others to do the right thing when they are wrong. Fantastic word from AJ Aragina. This has been a supporting cable that has kept me upright, flying right in the midst of storms. Come on, let's look at the next verse. It says, the next day as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. Come on now. Jettison the cargo. Everybody say jettison. I like that word. Jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. See, they were in a storm that was long enough. We find out it was about 14 days long. They didn't see the sun. They didn't see the moon. They couldn't tell whether it was day or night for that long, day after day after day. And what did they begin to do? They began to jettison the cargo. Come on, church. What do you need to jettison tonight? See, what happens is when you're in a storm and you're getting assailed by the hurricane winds of life, you start figuring out what you really need. You know, we are a cargo ship, but you know what? Saving our lives is more important than completing that part of this mission. We're going to jettison some things. We're going to jettison some extra weight. We're going to jettison some things that before this moment, we would have thought we could have never done without. Hey, see, as the Lord is working in our lives, church, as the Lord is trying to help us to elevate our priesthood, as the Lord is working in us, look, if you're not already in a battle, you're about to be in one. Yeah. Anybody in a battle? Okay, the rest of you who didn't say yes, you're about to be in one. Because that's what happens as we get ready, as we elevate what God is doing. There are spiritual forces that oppose us, and we are supposed to revive our revelation so that we can handle it. See, they began to jettison the cargo, began to jettison the comforts that they, that they once sought after, began to jettison some of the things that were just lying around, but they knew that they could do without and must do without in this season. Look at that last phrase in the verse uh, 20. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing us. Well, that's an interesting way to say it. It was a big old storm. It was a big old problem. It was a big old fight. It was a big old war that they were in. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Well, that's an interesting way to say that, isn't it? That is. All hope. Everybody say all hope. All hope. Of being saved was gradually abandoned. Wow. What does that mean? It means that they were losing hope. It means that they had lost hope. All hope was gradually being abandoned. Isn't that how hope gets gone from us? Isn't that how it's jettisoned from our life? Is that it starts off and we're like, man, we can do this. And, and three weeks in, you're like, I, I, I think I can do this. And three months in, you're like, what was it that I was supposed to be doing again? I'm not quite sure. And pretty soon it's just like, yeah, there's no way I can do this. See, you've got to jettison that idea. You've got to revive that revelation inside of you because it's not designed to be gone. It's not designed that all hope will be gradually lost and gradually abandoned. Everybody say abandoned. Abandoned. Come on now. What does to abandon something mean? It means that you leave it behind. You no longer even try to hold on to it. See, what we have to do is jettison 
the superfluous. We have to jettison the extra. We have to jettison the things, the sins and the weights that so easily entangle us. That's what we jettison. But then we put the supporting straps around our life and we strap up what's going on and we say, look, we can do this. We can, we remember what God has done. I remember what God has done in my life. I remember what my life was like before coming to Christ. I remember what it was like before I understood the principles that I am walking in daily. Come on now. Your daily life, your daily life is what's going to allow hope to remain or all hope to gradually reside from you. See, uh, your daily life, what you do every single day and say, I will remember it today. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to revive that revelation and I'm going to walk in it today. Amen. Come on, you got to revive that revelation every single day inside of you. Let's look at verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food. So what pastor just previously read, all hope was gradually abandoned. Now they come at a point where they had gone a long time without any food. When we begin to hunger, and I don't mean just physically, we begin to hunger for hope. Be in a place of desperation where we just need God's voice to speak to us. Revive me, O oh God. Revive me. As we read, I want you to see what having a man of God that is reviving revelation will do, not only for him, but for everyone else he comes in contact with. And I want you you to put yourself in that position. What if I, like Paul, am this kind of man of God? Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. See, he had previously told a centurion, don't sail out from Crete. It's going to end in a way that uh, it's going to be harmful. It's going to result in tragedy. He was giving them the revelation that he already had. They rejected his revelation. Now, in a place where all hope has been abandoned, no food is there to bring them any level of nourishment of their body, soul, or spirit. This man of God begins to revive the revelation. And he starts with what God originally gave him, reminding them about it. But continues on towards hope through that revelation. Verse 22, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. When we begin to revive what God has made us to be in the midst of when all hope is trying to gradually be abandoned. When there is no more nourishment to bring us back to life, we need that ability to revive the revelation of who we are and what we're called to be. Amen. That means that there are days, many days, when I need my brothers and they need me to revive the revelation of our mezuzah. That I need Pastor Wade Southern to look at me and say, Matthew, you are called to propel other people into his presence. Don't be surprised if you're going to run against a situation where it actually requires you to propel somebody into his presence. This is not supposed to be easy. That's one of the things that God has been dealing with us as a church. Do not be surprised at the path of victory. That's why he's given us encouragement over and over again. And by this means of reviving the revelation, it gives you the nourishment to Pull yourself together and begin to act like who God made you to be. 
Don't be surprised if your mezuzah requires conflict and all of a sudden when you get a revelation from God, you step out the door the next day, there is conflict that directly relates to the revelation that you have. Revelation is not designed to be in a trophy case with a spotlight on it. It's designed to contend with the gates of hell and overcome it every single time. Amen. He says, I urge you to keep up your courage. Men of God, women of God in this house, it is time to begin to revive your revelation to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me. Now, at what point in the journey, what point in the torrential storm and devastation did this happen? When they had lost all hope and they had no means of nourishment. And the man of God begins to revive them with a revelation that an angel of the living God brought him. The angel stood beside him and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. You know, before sailing and heading out, Paul stood before Festus and then King Agrippa. And King Agrippa's last words, like, look, this guy, he wants to appeal to Caesar, so to Caesar he'll go. He's on this boat because of the revelation that he had previously received that he needed to stand before Caesar. And what did the angel of the living God do at this point of desperation? Reminded him. Reminded him of his mezuzah. Reminded him of his function. Reminded him of the original revelation and the fact that those who were with him were not going to perish. So verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. When you begin to revive revelation, it not only causes revival inside of you, that revival is designed to bleed over to other people. It begins to revive their faith, their hope, their nourishment of what God has designed them to do. See, church, we're talking to you about remembering something, but that isn't the point. The point isn't just that you remember. The point is that you revive the revelation. Mm -hmm. Come on, somebody say revive your revelation. See, what does revive mean? It means that you brought it back to life. It means that you're acting on it every day. It means that you put it in front of you and you go, this is what I'm going for. This is what I'm going for. This is what I will do today. Well, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter because I'm reviving it. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do what the Lord has told me to do about this. We're not just asking you to think about it. We're asking you to get up and do it every single day. What did the Lord put you here for? What is your mezuzah? What is God moving you toward? What are the things that has been, that has been spoken to you that caused you to come alive again? Well, then do that again. You keep doing this. The things that the Lord tells us are not so that we can refuse His name. We have to revere His name. We have to revere what He tells us by remembering so that we can revive the revelation inside of us. See, the Lord has given this church some revelation. He's given each of your families revelation. He's speaking to you. Well, Pastor, I don't know the last thing he said. What was the last thing that you heard us say to you? <laughs> what are you looking for? There are people standing up here with a loud amplification system talking to you about it. Well, what do I need to do next, Pastor? I don't know what I need to do next. 
We've been, we tell you this every week, every time we're with you. Listen to what God is saying and let it be revived in you. See, what we're looking for oftentimes with Revelation is something new and novel. That one, oh, I got that one. Check, I did that. Really, you've completed what the Lord said about that. You're completely done. You can say, Lord, I have accomplished everything that you have said. Really? If that is the case, then you can ask him for something new. Until then, you don't need something new. You just need it fresh. Yeah. See, that's a difference. You don't need a new word. You just need it to be refreshed in you. You need it to be revived in you. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 7. Let's see how Moses did this. Exodus chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 1. Come on, let's say revive when you get there. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Wow. Wow. This is the Lord saying to Moses, as far as Pharaoh is concerned, you're me. Wow, no pressure, right? (laughs) No pressure. You are representing me. God says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. That's, that's an interesting mix. I, I've, I've assigned you your roles here, people. You are to say everything I command you. Here's part of what God is reviving and re- revealing to Moses. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. So Aaron gets to actually tell them to go, and you've got to tell them everything else that I say. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my, 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 my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, easy for me to say, i got to revive it, Lord, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring my divisions, uh-oh, there it is again, my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. See, he's not only telling him his role in this, he's saying you better expect opposition. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how the opposition is going to come. I'm going to tell you what to say to him, but he's not going to listen to you. What kind of plan is that? This is the plan that God laid out. See, God sets out the revelation for Moses and Aaron. And they're many times going to have to go back to this. Many times they're going to have to go back to this moment and go, wait, wait a minute. I am God to Pharaoh, therefore I should act this way because God is acting this way. Aaron has to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be Moses' prophet. This is what I must do. This is how I must act. Wait a minute, what did God, he said I was going to be responsible for saying this. This is what they had to go back to over and over and over again. See, they had to revive the revelation so that they could fulfill the revelation. See, they had to act according with everything that the Lord had said. Man, if you look up the word according, you will find out that more often than not, it's used in how people actually follow the word of the Lord, according to the word of the Lord, according to what the Lord had said. Church, when we revive our revelation, we're actually putting ourselves in a place where God's strategy for victory can then come into our hearts. Amen. Let's turn to Joshua chapter six. Say strategy whenever you get there. There we go. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. So wait a minute. He's looking at Jericho. And the Lord says, See, I have 
delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So you have delivered it to me. Okay, got it. Verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give up a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up. Every man straight in. I found something interesting. When we're looking at what God is telling Joshua here in chapter 6, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Hmm. It sounds like he is reminding Joshua of a revelation of his strategy for victory. Well, Numbers 33.50, I'll just read it out to you. It says, On the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Now, this is prior to them crossing the Jordan River. God is speaking to Moses, overlooking Jericho, and says, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all the carved images and and their cast idols, and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. In Joshua 6, what is happening is a revival of revelation of what God has already said. And that being said to Moses, and I'm sure Joshua is standing close by. God is giving us revelation that when we begin to revive it, we're remembering and getting further revelation of what his strategy is to win. Come on, in the past couple of days, I've looked through 3 by 5 index cards, notes within my Bible, things that I've written years ago that were a wonderful revelation then, but it had more impact on me today than it did when I originally received it. I didn't know how much I needed that revelation in that moment. And that's how you can tell when it's authentic revelation from God. It's not only going to transform and change you and empower you then, but it will continue to resonate and grow as time goes on. That's why we have these banners on these walls. Because each time I look at them, I think about what not only we have won in the past, such as I want to win, but it's what we're continuing to win present day, and thereby what we will future tense win tomorrow. Do you want God's strategy for victory? Yes. See, Joshua is standing in a place in right order where he's allowing the voice of God to revive this revelation within him. And we know how it all played out with Jericho. He has God's battle plans revealed to him, that strategy for victory. And coupled with a war cry, And walking around city walls seven times on the seventh day with a loud shout, walls came tumbling down. Come on, what you been walking in circles around? What have you been encircling out of obedience to your king? Walking around the same problem again and again and again. You want to raise a war cry, but the Lord hasn't said to do so yet. Revive that revelation of what he originally told you, how to deal with that problem. And he's going to give you the right strategy to have victory over it. 
And there will come a day when those walls will come down because you're raising the right cry with the right level of obedience at the right time. We're designed to make shalom. We're designed to trample under our feet the works of the devil. And we're also designed to trample underneath our feet our own sinful nature. Mm -hmm. This year, we're going to see walls that we've been encircling come crumbling down. We're going to see shalom in homes like we've never seen it before. We're going to see obedience out of our children like we've never seen it before. Are y'all ready for victory? Amen. Come on, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 7. Church, it's such a good word. It's such a good understanding that to revive our revelation, to, to put that God strategy into actual action in your life. You have to keep doing exactly what he's already said to you. You have to do it until it gets the desired result that he promised that he would give you. See, we cannot stop. Oftentimes we say that we know the word of the Lord and we do it for a short amount of time and then it dies out in our life. It fades into obscurity. You see what the Lord is doing is he's reviving this revelation in us tonight. Look at Nehemiah chapter four and verse seven. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. Come on now. They're starting to advance. They're starting to get something done. The others became very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Israel. Why is it that every time you start to make an advancement, there's some type of opposition? Because the opposition is designed to get you to stop. The opposition in your own heart, the emotions, the thoughts, the actual opposition from those outside, from those forces within, is designed to say, you're doing it, you're reviving that revelation. See, you're making headway. You're starting to close the gaps in the wall. you got to keep going. But the enemy is always trying to stop you. He's going to try to first stop you before you ever get started. But once you get started, yeah, you can't do that to me. But what he'll do is he'll cause, he'll try to cause all of that hope to gradually be abandoned. And that's exactly what these men are trying to do, uh, what these evil men are trying to do against God's people. Verse 9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard. Come on, somebody say posted a guard. That's them reviving that revelation. That's them paying attention to it. That's them undergirding with a supporting cable saying, we're going to post a guard day and night to meet this threat. You know why? Because that revelation has been revived in us and we're not going to let anything stop us from it. Take a look at verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. But what begins to happen when revival of revelation happens inside of you, it now puts you at a distance from those that haven't received that revelation. They're giving in to all of those taunts of the enemy, the discouragements that's trying to evaporate and rob all hope from them. They continue in verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put it into their work. You're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to fail. Verse 12. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us how many times? Ten. Ten times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. If you bring your children to Matamoros for Christmas, you're going to be attacked. Everybody's going to die on the trip. (laughs) You're going to a mission trip to Indonesia, you're going to get coronavirus. I just know it. How can you be sure that you're going to be saved? 
Everything that you're trying to do at God's will is just going to result in just flames and torture and failure. We know what our lives prove? Just the opposite. Yeah, I'm going to go to Indonesia. I'm going to heal people with coronavirus. I'm going to go to Matamoros and I'm going to preach the gospel to the cartel. And see some of them born again in the name of Jesus. When they take their Bibles out of their truck next to the AK-47, I'll get them to open it up and actually read a scripture that transforms them. See, it's more dangerous to not do the will of God than it is to do the will of God. Make sure I had that right. That is the right word. And the way that we are equipped... See, I didn't make up another word. I just want to take that as a note. Still to come, it may happen, but it didn't happen so far. But we put ourselves in a, in a greater level of jeopardy by backing away from God's will than the jeopardy that exists naturally in doing God's will. And it takes a revival of revelation to have the courage to stand up against that and pursue it. Let's look at verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the low points of the wall at the exposed places. Boy, that's a smart plan right there. Posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over. Come on, somebody say, look things over. Well, you gotta, you got to get some better perspective sometimes, don't you? Anybody get so busy with the busyness of the day that you kind of lose perspective? Anybody ever get to the end of the day and your spouse or friend, hey, what did you do today? And you're like, I have no idea. I stayed incredibly busy from the time I woke up until the time I collapsed in my bed at night, but I'm not sure that I can summarize it. It's because you need to look things over. I, I think I just explained 300 contracting right there. What you have to do is you have to stop and look for that revelation and revive that revelation. And you know, I stood up and said to the nobles, once it had been revived, don't be afraid of them. The truth is, is most of our problem with needing to revive our revelation is that fear has choked these things out. Yeah. Remember the Lord. What an interesting thing to say. But see, you remember the Lord so that you can revive that revelation. You got to remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers. No. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it. Come on now, that's yeah. something when you get frustrated. I got to be honest with you. I showed up tonight and, and I was frustrated. I was frustrated at everybody. All y'all up in here. Everybody, I was like, I'm, why am I so frustrated? Yeah, it's one thing for us to be frustrated. It's another thing for God to frustrate our enemies. See, that's what we're doing when we revive our revelation. We allow God to frustrate the enemy. Let's turn to Nehemiah 6.15 really quickly so you can see this. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, come on, you ready for what happens when you revive this revelation and you're able to actually carry out God's strategy for your victory? All the surrounding nations were afraid. No wonder the enemy was working so hard to keep them from doing that. Because once they got it done, everyone lost heart. All the hope of the enemy was not just gradually, it was stripped from them in a moment. All the nations around were afraid and lost their confidence. My, lost their self-confidence. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help with the supporting cords of our God at work Amen. in them. And this is what causes us to fight the good fight tonight. Amen? I want to put up a slide for you guys relating to fight the good fight. 
This is the interlinear for 1 Timothy 1.8 where we started. A snippet of it says, Prophecies that mightest war by them a good warfare. Right? All right. So it is fight the good fight. But from these prophecies regarding you, by them, we might, we might mightiest war a good warfare. Well, let's look at this first use of uh, thou mightest war, 4754. It's the first use of, uh, first use of this Greek word for fight in the NIV and NASB. 4754. Stratudomai. Wow. Yeah? That's perfect. Yep, just like that. <laughs> this word means a military campaign. But look how it relates to, at the bottom, in that definition, to contend with carnal inclinations. Come on. When we begin to revive the revelations that God has given, them, given us, by them, we have what we need as a strategy. Isn't that what that Greek word is, looks very similar to? That we have a strategy knowing how to contend with carnal inclinations. You take out the stones that God has given you. You take out the Abigail and the ball card God has given you. You take out the statement of mezuzah purpose, function that God has given you, and it's going to be the beginning of a strategy to crush your carnal inclinations. Fear being one of the top ones, right? Because how many scriptures have we read so far that says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the purpose and call that God has put on your life, Mr. Bonham. Do not be afraid, Mr. Ray Pena, of the ability to fulfill God's will for your life and the mezuzah that he's given you. Do not be afraid, women of God, that you cannot fulfill what God has called you to do. That you cannot achieve what is more than your own strength possesses. That God has given you a, an ability to revive the revelation so you can begin the strategy to combat carnal inclinations. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service. This word active service is Strong's number 4754 that we just looked at. No soldier in active service. Another way to say it, no soldier who is contending with carnal inclinations. Entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlists him as a soldier. Do you hear the jettison of what cargo doesn't belong? Getting rid of the items that are slowing and hindering down the progression of God's will. As a good soldier, we have to begin to revive the revelations that God has given us, what our orders are from our commanding officer, so we know exactly what the strategy is in contending with our carnal inclinations. Church, as a good soldier, you're never even allowed to look to the left or the right yeah. unless you're commanded to. When you're in formation, when you're in the, your divisions, you can't even turn around. You can't turn to the side, which is a really, really good principle for us to understand. When God has revived that revelation, when he's given you the right strategy, when he's shown you what to do, you don't turn away from it. You don't look to the right or the left. 
Deuteronomy 5.32 says, So do be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. We know this, but we are easily distracted. Something moves and we want to turn. Something's shiny and we get off track. Lord says, do not turn aside to the right or to the left. What are you turning to the right or to the left in your own life? Come on now, as we're getting into this season, we are making war on the enemy. We are having victory in what we're doing. But are you turning to the side? Are you getting distracted? Walk in the way, all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that God will give you to possess. You cannot look to the right or to the left. We read this for you, Saints. Joshua 1.7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Come on now. Let me share with you just a tidbit of truth. Is that when you begin to revive revelation and have clear, deep convictions that God has given you, a direction to go, you're going to find people that don't like you. You're going to find people that actually hate you, that say false things about you. But you know what will hate them even uh, make them hate you even more? If you waffle on those deep convictions. If you flip-flop and begin to renegotiate in order to appease and make treaties. Come on, they're going to hate you anyway. So why don't you just stick to the deep convictions that God has already given you? Why don't you stick to the, the revelations that he's already imparted in you as a mezuzah, what you're designed to be? Because what will outlast them pelting you with accusations and false uh, statements is your purpose and your function, is the revelation that God has given you. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. As we read in Deuteronomy 5, you find out that your success is dependent upon you staying fixed on the revived revelation that you have. Joshua 1 told you that if you're going to be successful, you've got to keep your eyes on exactly what the Lord has told you. In Proverbs, it says, look straight ahead, because if you turn to the right or to the left, you are going to miss out. Your foot will fall into evil, but you must revive the revelation and keep your eyes straight ahead. Well, Matthew twenty twenty three says, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. In Jesus, there is no deviation. There is no course adjustment because the plan and the direction has already been set by the father and we must follow his example to not deviate to the right or left or choose for ourselves what the Father desires. Church, 2 Corinthians 6 talks about once you have figured out how not to turn to the right or the left, in, in verse 7, it says, in truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in your right and your left. See, the Lord equips you in both places if you will stand firm, if you will keep your eyes fixed ahead. He will teach you how to fight the good fight. He will show you what's that, what that's like because he will allow you to have a revived revelation. And that is part of the revelation so that you can have weapons in the right and the left. Let's pull up this next slide, 4752. This is the second Greek word used for the second occurrence of fight in the NIV. It means military service or warfare, hardships, 
dangers, trials, or warfare. The way you say this word is stratia. So we begin to combine some of these thoughts together. That when we are reviving the revelation that God has given them, given us, by them, we are able to strategize the good war strategy. We're able to see God's strategy for victory that's in store for us. We're strategizing the good strategy. An occurrence of this Greek word, 4752, is in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare. That word warfare is stratia. Military service, hardship, dangers. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. Come on, the power that you possess to accomplish God's will in his strategy for victory is able to have the power to bring destruction of fortresses as it continues in Anasby. Verse 5 says, we are destroying. Say, we are destroying. We are destroying. <laughs> I like that present tense. <laughs> we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, say we are. We are. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When you begin to revive the revelation of who you are and what God has called you to be, it gives you the strategy for God's victory over your flesh. It gives you God's strategy for victory over your emotions, over your thoughts, and over the heavenly realms, those dark powers that oppose the living God. You have the ability to demolish strongholds and fortresses. You possess that. Let your trust in the living God rise. Let your trust in revelation what God has already given you. Elevate your ability to, to know that he wants to and that he can use you to destroy those strongholds. Amen? Let's put 1 Timothy 1.18 on the screen as Nolan comes forward. Let's put it in the NASB if we would. It says this, this command I entrust to you. Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. See, the idea here that we're trying to get to tonight is for you to strategize the good strategy, for you to fight the good fight. You have to remember, you have to revive the revelation that has come to you through God's words, through his very prophecies in your life. See, God is not going to assign you to a different thing. He's not going to send you off something different than what he has already been working in you. See, God has been good to teach us the right things, to show us the right things, to give us the right words. By them, by these divine words from the heavens, is how you begin to fight the good fight, keeping faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. See, we've got to revive our revelations in order to strategize this good strategy. See, when you begin to revive those revelations, you are able to then function and fight rightly. You can go after the enemy. You know why? Because I know exactly who I am. This is how Paul was able to be on a ship that was in peril. Everyone on the ship, experienced men, were afraid for their own life. But he said, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because I know what God told me. 
I know that God told me that I'm supposed to show up over there. So you don't have to worry about this. The ship may go down, but none of us are going to be lost. Not one person is going to be lost. Why? Because he had revived the revelation. And so he was able to fight the good fight. Everybody turn to Psalm 81. We'll start in verse 7. He says, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress. Everybody say distress with me. Distress. This can mean a tightness, a narrow or straits. It's like being in a ship in the middle of a storm. And for 14 days tossed back and forth, not seeing the sun, moon, or stars and going without food. What position are you in right now, tonight? Where there is a narrowing. Where there is tightness of chest, concern, worry. A level of distress. Are you standing in that position right now? I have hope for you. I have a revelation to revive that begins to tell you exactly what you need to do, and what God will do for you. In your distress, you called, and I rescued. We begin to lift up that loud cry like Jesus did in Hebrews 5-7. To the one who could save him from death. That distress is designed to make us depend on the living God. It's not there to... To disqualify you. It's not there to punish you. It's to make you raise up a loud cry. And call on the armies of heaven. To come down and change the situation. You are not a victim. You are a victor. And because you are a victor. You are to revive the revelation. That God has given you. About who you are. And what you are called to do. In doing so. He will reveal his strategy for victory. This word here, I rescued, means I will deliver, I will equip you for war. Who wants to be equipped for war tonight? We are to lovingly, joyfully embrace those times of distress and being in the narrows and straits. Because that means that the deliverance of my God is right at hand. I'm about to be equipped for war and thereby be equipped for victory. It continues, I answered you out of a thundercloud. This is getting and reviving the revelation of his character towards us. Remembering that moment when he speaks and his word has come alive and it has revived your soul right here at this altar or maybe sitting in a, a quiet place in your house. But it concludes with this, I tested you at the waters of Meribah. So not only has he revealed his character to us, but he's also revealed our character to ourselves. Well, as we begin to stand to our feet, we're going to reflect on a few things. We're going to reflect on the fact that our hardships are here for our good because they're going to form the character of God in us and in doing so it's going to displace the navel fleshly carnal inclination 
that is currently at war with my soul. We have the opportunity to revive the revelation of our divine nature right now. We have the opportunity to be in that midst of distress, narrow and straits, and have the supporting cables, the help and aid in our time of need, secure the bindings of our soul and nourish the hunger of our spirits. If you're hungry, if you're longing for the presence of God to secure the loose members of your mind and your heart, begin to come down now. Begin to let His presence wash over you. Ask Him, say, Lord, revive. Revive your revelation to me again. I need it. I hunger for it. I can't live without it. Tell me who I am in you again, Lord. I'm your son. I'm your ambassador. I'm your co-heir. I have fullness in you. I'm a royal priesthood. Father, that right now, your spirit will fill, fill this room. Fill these hearts and minds that hunger and thirst for you. Bring a revival of revelation that they may see your path, your, your strategy of victory. We say, come, Lord. Let our hearts be washed. Let our minds be made new. We may know your good, pleasing, and perfect will. 